Welcome to another episode of The Brand Called You, a podcast and podcast show that brings you leadership lessons, knowledge, experience, and wisdom from thousands of successful individuals from around the world. I'm your host, Ashutosh Garg, and today I'm delighted and privileged to welcome a very accomplished entrepreneur, a fellow member of the YPO from London, currently speaking to us from Ghana, Mr. Tariq Mugani. Tariq, welcome to the show. Thank you, Ash. Uh, Tariq is the founder of Affinity, which is a full-fledged digitally-driven bank that provides fair and accessible financial services to the underserved and unbanked. Uh, he's the director of the MAN Group, which is GLG Partners. Tariq began his career as an academic at the University of Cambridge, where he obtained his PhD in physics at the age of 50, at the age of 22. Wow. Uh, <laughs> Tariq has been recognized, awarded, and felicitated globally. And as I just mentioned, he's a member of the YPO. So, Tariq, before we start talking about financial services and fintech, tell me about your own journey. Sure, absolutely happy to. Um, so, I'm actually from Ghana. I only just got my naturalization in the UK about 15 years ago. So, I'm from an immigrant family, uh, Lebanese of origin, but I'm fourth-generation Ghanaian. I grew up in a in a town, uh, not in the capital, in Accra, which is where I am at the moment, but in a town called Kumasi. I come from a family of entrepreneurs. Um, so they raised some eyebrows when I told them I was going to be an academic. They were like, what do you mean be an academic? Surely you want to start your own business like everyone else in the family. Yeah. So I always sort of had that blood uh, in, in me. Um, but it also comes very tempered with the with the idea and the notion that I am very lucky mm. because I came from a, a very strong family of entrepreneurs. Um, they were able to send me to the UK to study. Um, I only got into Cambridge, not just obviously for my own accolades, but because I had a support network and a strong family that enabled me to get there. And as a result, it's sort of it's distilled uh, uh, an, an immense amount of of um, like a want or a need or a hunger to sort of give back and to support others as well, too. And uh, everything that I've done in my career, whether it's focused around artists or athletes or now with affinity and entrepreneurs, it's always been centered around those values that my my family you know, kind of gave me or distilled in me growing up. Mm, how fascinating. And you, you're very, very, very modest when you say it. You know, everything happened because of the network that you had. I don't know anyone who's got a PhD at 22. Uh, <laughs> but let, let's talk, of, uh, Tariq, about affinity. Sure. Uh, tell me about this uh, venture and what was your motivation to start this? So I'm going to go back to the dinosaurs. I hope you don't mind, Ash. Mm -hmm. um, so I moved to the UK when I was 12. Um, I, I skipped a couple of years at school. So I actually started quite early. And I was very lucky because I was quite a tenacious child. Mm -hmm. uh, my parents were never those sort of family members that told me what to do. They just enabled me. Whatever I wanted to do, they just fueled it. You know, they were like, the sky's the limit. You can be an artist, an athlete. We don't really care as long as you're happy. Mm. So as a result, I just I was in sort of hyperdrive. You know, I was more and more giving me. I want to study. I want to learn. I want to understand. You know, uh, I would try things, fail at them, and move on to other things as well too. So I ended up basically in an academic position um, initially at Imperial College, where I did my engineering degree, and then my PhD in physics at Cambridge. Mm. I sort of graduated, looked around, and thought to myself. There are a whole bunch of people who have a similar background to me, maybe a bit older, as you said, but at least they do have the same background to me. I, I kind of want to do something that's a bit different. Mm -hmm. And I had two friends at university that were st studying international development, and they kind of distilled that idea in my head that you can be, you can create a business like your parents did. You can make money and be successful in that way as well, too. But at the same time, you can have an immense amount of impact. Mm -hmm. So that seed was planted quite early in my career. 
I ended up uh, as uh, working in, at a hedge fund. As you mentioned, I was a director at GLG, uh, Man Group, the, the second largest hedge fund in Europe, and now the second largest in the world. I, um, I, I focused on financial institutions uh, simply because uh, of the sort of financial crisis that happened. Mm. And uh, I ended up in a role managing a portfolio investing in banks, mm. banks in India, banks in Mexico, banks in, 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 in other parts of the world as well, mm. too. And a sort of a, like a, a, there was a light bulb moment which sort of thought to me that that occurred to me that if I went back to Ghana and created a social business, which is what Affinity is, it's a for profit but has huge social implications. I can sort of have my cake and eat it too. Mm-hmm. I can do something that will make me rich in the future, mm-hmm. but at the same time, I can also do something that I'm proud of and actually support um, support entrepreneurs. So mm-hmm. that's how the idea of Affinity came came to be. So I moved back to Ghana. Um, did quite a lot of research and realized that there are two sort of massive facts and figures that a lot of people uh, sort of still quote to this day. First, looking at sub-Saharan Africa, which is obviously quite a large continent, there are 400 million adults on our continent in sub-Saharan Africa that do not have a bank account. Hmm. Think about that. It's unbelievable. Hmm. It's a whopping, it's over 60% of the adult population. Wow. Secondly, there is a lending opportunity for small businesses of $330 billion. Wow. And looking at those numbers, if you translate them just in Ghana, which is where we've launched our business for now, it, that's 11 million adults in Ghana that don't have a bank account. Mm-hmm. And it's a lending opportunity of about $10 billion. It's massive. Yep. It's absolutely massive. Just by going into that demographic, you're actually growing the pie by three times. Mm-hmm. It's unbelievable. Correct. And, so and that's enabling. Yeah. And, and, and enabling so many and you know 11 million more people to do what they want to do isn't it absolutely absolutely so the idea of affinity started off as building a bank for the people and as you mentioned early on it is a full-fledged bank so traditionally with neo banks what ends up happening is you provide basically one channel and one product we did the crazy thing in the last four years of building something that does everything which is a full-fledged mm. bank so mm. we provide uh, current accounts, savings products, and investment products, and we provide loans to individuals and small businesses across two different channels. And it came, it came through many iterations, a team that has spent four years developing and understanding that target demographic. And we've we've seen the results over the last few months uh, of, of some incredible traction within the business itself as well, too. You know, this is such a powerful thing that you are doing. We saw this happen in India eight years ago, nine mm-hmm. years ago, when our prime minister in his very first year came and said that he wanted every single household to have a bank account. And he yeah. gave instructions to the government and banks that in six months he wanted it done. And people said it's impossible. But today, wow. you know, nobody's transacting in cash or very, very few people are transacting in cash. So that's amazing what you're doing. But tell me now, uh, Tariq, based on all the work that you've been doing, what are some of the challenges the underserved and the unbanked face? It's a very good question. And um, for us to succeed, so we're a private venture, we're backed by VCs, and um, you know, it, it is it does have social implications, but we are a commercial venture. For us to succeed in what we do, there needs to be an entire ecosystem that supports us. Um, so if you look at the continent uh, itself, about 86% of the population is informal. It's a similar situation in, 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 in India, um, as you rightly pointed out. Yeah. And what, what does that mean? These are people who are unregistered, who don't necessarily have formal IDs. Mm-hmm. They don't have, there's no address system. The infrastructure is pretty poor. And then the regulation is quite difficult. Mm-hmm. That's not something that Affinity needs to solve, right? 
in order for us to 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 be empowered, in order for us to provide our products, what's very important is that these systems exist. Mm. Historically, that's not been the case. The numbers that I gave you around 400 million adults and 330 billion lending gap, these are numbers I've given you that have been quoted since 2012, wow. and they still exist to this day 11 years later. <laughs> okay. So the good news is what we ended up doing by understanding all that at Affinity, we've actually had to build the ecosystem ourselves, and mm. we've used that technology. And that's the wonderful thing that we've been doing over the last four years in terms of building our digital channels and testing it all out. So we turned that those challenges into an opportunity and, and the traction has, has shown that as well too. And when you do something at such a large scale, I mean, you know, there's an example available in Bangladesh about how uh, the Grameen Bank changed that's everything and you seem to be doing something very similar. How much of the support uh, is required from the government? So it, it, it is required. It is important. We have had some support from the government. Um, and I'll give you one example. Um, a few years ago, actually about 10 years ago, the regulator basically said, we're not open to new business and we're not providing new banking licenses. Mm -hmm. um, because of what we do, uh, because what we do is so important, because the driver, the biggest drivers of social economic growth are SMEs, and that's what we support, you know, SMEs and their employees. Yeah. Um, we've spent the last sort of three years lobbying with the government, aligning our values with them. And as a result, they gave us our license March last year. Hmm. And they made an exception because what we're trying to do aligns with the mission of the government of Ghana. You know, whether it's this current leadership or the previous leadership or the future leadership, all heads of states, all leaders basically within any economy always want to support financial inclusion and SMEs as well, too. Because, you know, you, you create employment through that. You improve the um, revenue streams that governments have, you know, through taxation as well, too. And so that was sort of the biggest sort of breakthrough with us and support with them. And at the moment, we have a very strong relationship with the regulator. Um, we have uh, record speeds when it comes to approvals of our products and our channels. Mm -hmm. And we've been moving and getting quite a lot of traction from them. And we're very, very happy about that. You know, aligning yourself to the regulator and working alongside them is very important. Mm, wonderful. And uh, when, I, when I was reading about you, you're also working on uh, supporting the UN Sustainable Development Goals. Yes. Which of the goals are you working on through Affinity? It's it's a very good question, and it could it could it could actually be all of them yeah. because we are a bank at the end of the day. But let me kind of break them down into two categories. First is directly what are we doing to support the SDGs, and it's about five. I would say gender is the first one. So. Um, what we realized as we were doing all our studies as Affinity is there was a huge distrust from women when it came to financial services, digital financial services, mm -hmm. because they needed physical touch points in order for them to bank because it, it transpired that women don't take risk. So 90% of, of, um, of clients of digital only financial institutions were actually men. Mm -hmm. For us, we, we launched our product in, in October, um, our agency platform in October. We have over 10,000 customers who have 22,000 accounts with us, and 62% of them are women, mm. which is pretty amazing. So directly, gender has been a very important uh, role uh, uh, for us. And we're about to announce a, um, a, a, a partnership with the, with the UK government around financial inclusion for women as well, too. So super excited about that. The second is no poverty. So there are huge effects when it comes to supporting small businesses, especially microenterprises. We've seen elements of businesses that we've supported where, uh, uh, in this case, a female entrepreneur, Lizzie, went from having two employees to 11 employees, mm -hmm. and she grew her revenue by five times. Mm -hmm. So just imagine the implications around no poverty there. Yeah. 
second is decent work uh, uh, conditions and also uh, providing uh, social inclusion in that sense as well too, and employment. That example with Lizzie as well too pertains. Mm -hmm. um, reduced inequality and economic growth. So those are sort of the five pillars that we directly have an impact on. Indirectly, um, as an enabler, as a bank that has an enabler, and you, as you're creating those sort of five elements that we discussed earlier on, you're having an improvement with education because a woman like Lizzie can help better educate her kids. You have a, a, an implication around health and healthcare. We do want to release uh, health insurance products via our channels as well, too. We're speaking to a South African fintech on that. Zero hunger, industrial innovation, and also building resilient economies in cities. Absolutely. Because if you're supporting SMEs, you're supporting the biggest driver of social income growth. Let me give you an example of that because I love, I'm a numbers person. If you look at an economy, an OECD economy, or any country in the global north like the UK, 47% of government revenue comes from SMEs in the UK. So these are SMEs that are paying corporate taxes, VAT, who, who are generating income uh, um, um, uh, from their employees as well too, you know, uh, um, from, um, gosh, um, personal tax income from the from their employees. If you look at a country like Ghana, it's less than 10% of government revenue. Mm -hmm. So just by actually growing that SME bracket, which is what we're doing at uh, Affinity, you can actually grow that income basically for government, which is why it's such a crucial and important uh, uh, thing to do and to align yourself with. Amazing. And, you know, it's often been said that if you educate or empower a woman, you educate yes. and empower a whole family. And I think what you're doing is so amazing. More power you. to you, uh, Tariq. Tell Thank me you. also that, you know, you're currently focused in, in Ghana. Mm -hmm. Are you planning to go into other parts of Western Africa or other parts of Africa? Absolutely. So, um, in fact, actually, we just uh, hired someone to run the Ghana operations. I've been promoted to, <laughs> to the head of Africa. Um, at the moment, we just have one Ghanaian operation. But the idea is towards the end of this year, beginning of next year, start exploring new new opportunities outside of Ghana. And the, the problem that we're solving for, as I mentioned, exists across all of sub-Saharan Africa. There are two key countries that are very important to us because of their size. That's Nigeria and Kenya. Um, we don't know if it'll be the second phase of our growth, but there are some other countries that are comparable to Ghana in Southern Africa and Western Africa and Eastern Africa as well too, that we're exploring in the shorter term, but absolutely. Amazing, amazing. Uh, let me now move on and ask you some a few other things that, mm -hmm. you know, when you talk of digital uh, bank or a digital access to so many different people, how are you seeing the digital revolution uh, bringing about financial inclusion for the unbanked? It's a very good question. I can probably spend an hour talking about that. Um, so I'm, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to break this answer down into two parts. So I'm going to look at um, digital banking in the global north. And I want to look at digital banking basically in Africa. Because mm -hmm. what we build at Affinity is an African solution to an African problem. And that's something we take pride in as well too. It's very important. So if you take a look at all the digital banks that exist in the global north, um, they're predominantly for digital natives. Mm -hmm. So people who have a bank account, but maybe do not appreciate the, the, the experience that they have, the customer journey that they have from their bank. So as a result, they open a secondary bank account. I think it's less than 10% of digital bank holders use the, their accounts as primary bank accounts. Mm -hmm. um, we're looking at obviously all the big players in, in the global north as mm -hmm. well too. Hmm. That that is a valid business model because the digital natives that exist in the global north is a pretty large proportion of the population. Hmm. 
If you take a look at that in the context of Africa, it's only about 12% of the population because mm-hmm. you're looking at individuals that are young, mm-hmm. which are the larger portion of the economy, yeah. that, that have smartphones, mm-hmm. that have access to the Apple or Google store, that can afford data, and very importantly, that can prioritize data as well. Too. Mm-hmm. So And they're digital natives, so technologically and financially literate. Mm-hmm. It's actually only 12% of the adult population. So what we've had to do is we've built that channel, but what we also do, did is we built an entire digital platform that does offline uh, uh, digital uh, sales, and it's an agency platform, and that sort of serves 86% of the population. Mm-hmm. So the biggest stat that I always tell people when, when we look at us, you know, we are a fast-growing young company. We have over 10,000 uh, customers, as I mentioned to you. The staggering thing to note is that 87% of our customers use us as their primary bank account. Wow. And that's such a key target for us. Mm-hmm. So, so now leading on to the second uh, element in terms of, of financial inclusion and using digital services. Mm-hmm. We work alongside one of the biggest sort of drivers of, of financial inclusion on our continent, something that I'm sure you've heard of, which is mobile money. Mm-hmm. So, you know, we've had the example of M-Pesa, which has been an incredible driving force, basically, on our continent, using a very old-fashioned technology, which is USSD, you know, something that's sort of a bit bit outdated that's still very powerful on our continent, you know. So we we should also understand what the customer does, how the customer deals with financial services and technology, and build for them, you know. So we we, we adopted that sort of strategy on the customer journey side. Mm. The thing that that mobile money does and the thing that a lot of the sort of fintechs do on the continent is they solve one element of financial inclusion, Mm. and that's accessibility, making it easy for the customer to get that product, which is a very important pillar when it comes to financial inclusion. Mm. At Affinity, we actually take it two steps further. Mm. We look at affordability as well, too. So if you look at a traditional bank account in Ghana, the average average monthly fee is $5. At Affinity, we have no monthly charges. It's zero. So we have no monthly fee. Our transaction charges for for existing players in the market are quite high because that's how they generate their revenue. For us, we're 90% cheaper. Mm -hmm. And then the third thing that we do is we actually provide interest on all accounts. So we provide interest on current accounts, savings products, and investment products. Traditionally, with banks and mobile money, you get 0% interest on your current account. Mm -hmm. So we take it a step further with affordability. And then the third pillar that we've also looked on is actually literacy. Hmm. So you remember the point that I made earlier on. We understand our customer. We communicate very clearly with them in terms of how we operate, what the terms and conditions are. It's a very important way of fostering trust with them. The second thing as well, too, is we understand how they've dealt with financial services and digital services, Mm -hmm. and we've built for them. And that's why we've had success when it comes to women, because we understand how they deal with these services and, and platforms. And we've designed our customer journey and our user interface and our user experience with them in mind as well, too. And so the last stat I want to leave you with, if you don't mind, because yeah. it's something that we're also quite proud of, mm-hmm. is if you look at the average deposit balance for mobile money in Ghana, it's about $23. Mm-hmm. If you look at the average uh, deposit balance for retail customers in banks, it's $86. Mm-hmm. At Affinity, even though people think we bank the poor, which we don't, by the way, we bank the unbanked and the underserved who have a lot of cash and nowhere to put it. Yeah. Our average deposit balance is $245. That's over four times that of traditional banks and over 10 times that of mobile money as well. Too. Amazing. And just as, 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 as an aside, I wanted to ask you that, you know, all the work that you're doing needs a very, very robust and 
deeply penetrated mobile usage base. Yes. How large is it in Ghana? So mobile mobile penetration is over 100%. Okay. So which basically means the average adult has more than one mobile phone, right? Yeah. 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 <laughs> so so what will happen is depending on which carrier you use, you'll transfer money or call someone on that. You know, it's mm. still it's still it's still uh, sort of the UK in the 90s. Mm. Okay. <laughs> so um our, our channels are based on two fronts. Uh, for those that are digital native, so it's the 12% of the population uh, target. Um, and those are for people with smartphones and can afford data, et cetera. About 60% of Ghanaians have smartphones. Um, the second is our agency platform. So we have an agency app that our agents go into the market with, the onboard, it's last mile banking, the onboard customers, but then the customer then transacts using USSD channel that we've built as well too. So for that, it serves you know 100% of mobile phone users because depending on if you have a smartphone or a feature phone, you can still bank with us as well too. Mm -hmm. There's another area that we have seen in India which seems to have just taken off, and that's from a government perspective. Given that you know what you're creating is exactly what India created some few years ago, is the whole concept of the digital direct benefit transfer. You know, whenever the government wants to make transfer any money to farmers or to uh, the poor, uh, it just goes out in a few seconds to every person's bank account. Mm -hmm. I, I, are you are you also looking at something similar? I think eventually we are, but let me let me let me give you an example that sort of uh, um, I think we're, we're maybe ten years before the cycle in, in India. And what's very evident from this conversation, Ash, is I need to come visit you and spend mm. some time. Oh, you must you. absolutely, <laughs> <laughs> and understand how we can lift some of those ideas over, especially yeah. dealing with policy and working with government alongside our mission. Mm. But let me give you an example that's sort of a direct comparison there. If I wanted an insurance product here in Ghana, because collections is a very difficult thing, you know, ninety percent of transactions in Ghana are cash based. Mm -hmm which is ridiculous, you know, and we're, we're solving for that as well too um, at Affinity, given the fact that we are a digital bank. Mm -hmm. So if I want to apply for an insurance product, I go to an insurance company and it's, let's say, health insurance. I have to pay my health premium, my insurance premium, one year up front. Wow. It's insane because there's no direct debit mechanism, basically, from banks. Mm -hmm. So as an API-driven business, we're now partnering with financial institutions and insurance companies. And what we're telling them is... You work with us, you can direct debit basically off of the platform from our customers. And it improves affordability for our customer as well, too. Mm -hmm. And it's a similar thing that we can do with dealing with, with, with governments, with APIs. So if there are any sort of like uh, um, uh, schemes that they provide basically for farmers, et cetera, they can use us as a platform basically to disperse. And we can do it either at the affinity level into affinity wallets or via their mobile wallets as well, too, because we have full interoperability on our platform. Amazing. So time for two more questions for you. My next question is that given the amount of work that you are doing, do you see Ghana and, and Africa moving more and more towards a cashless economy? It has to. There is no choice. Cash is expensive. It creates fraud as well, too. And it really must move forward like that. We've seen it happen in, in the rest of the world. You know, the bricks and mortar element has, has reduced. It improves on operational costs. It reduces operational costs for financial institutions, which also means that products are more affordable. So unfortunately, Ash, the answer is, is, is yes, and we have to as well. Mm -hmm. We just need to do it quicker. That's fantastic. And my last question, Tarek, and this is for the thousands of people who will listen to our conversation around the world. Based on your own amazing journey, uh, you know, and such so much success at such a young age, what would you say are three lessons you would want our very young viewers and listeners to take away from your own journey and from our conversation? Um, 
It's a it's a very it's a very it's a very good question. Um, I think first and foremost, this is something that I've learned over time. My biggest breakthrough moment was actually last year. So I was very lucky to be nominated into one uh, a tutu fellowship. So the Archbishop had has a fellowship program, mm -hmm. and I went through a, a leadership development program for a few months last year, um, and it was really quite enlightening. I think first and foremost is define what your values are. Mm -hmm understand what your leadership skills are as well too, um, whether you're um, 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 a thought leader, a process leader, or a people leader. Mm -hmm. um, secondly, understand how you can bring people along with you on that journey, because you can't do it alone. Mm -hmm. I've made several mistakes in the past. I failed a lot of times. Mm -hmm. um, you know, I, have, I come from a family of entrepreneurs who exhibit a lot of grit and tenacity, which is what it takes to be an entrepreneur, because you'll hear no on a daily basis. Okay. Despite all the traction that I've, I've had, I still get rejected on a daily basis from people who should be supporting me. Correct. But you wipe yourself up, you know, when you fall and you stand up and you move. Mm. And you talk about what you stand for as a business and as an individual. Mm. And people who listen and are inspired by that will follow you as well, too. Mm. And then they will leave you and start their own businesses and have that effect. So I think maybe just to sort of uh, kind of distill those sort of three learnings, I, first and foremost, listen. Mm. It's very important, you know, and people want to help. Uh, so listen. Mm. Second, be agile. You know, you will fail. Uh, learn and move quickly. And then the third thing, which is sort of what I'm learning now, is stakeholder management. You know, I have a board that I hear I, I need to learn and and, and speak to. Mm -hmm. I have investors that I need to learn and speak to. Mm -hmm. I have a team that I need to learn and speak to. Mm -hmm. I have a regulator that I need to learn and speak to. Mm -hmm. And of course, I have customers that I need to learn and speak to. Mm -hmm. And that's something that's very important as well to understand. Wonderful. And on that note, Tarek, and your amazing lessons. Define your values, understand your, and understand your leadership skills. It's important to carry your people uh, along the journey and talk about what you stand for. And the three words that you, of course, gave was listen, be agile, and uh, learn and understand how to learn and speak to people, which means maybe get older management. Thank you so much for speaking to me about your incredible journey. Thank you for Thank talking you. to me about affinity. Uh, I look forward and I will applaud from the sidelines the incredible success that I'm sure I will continue to see of affinity, not just in Ghana, but in all of Africa and maybe all of the world. Thank you also for speaking to me about so much work that is being done in the area of uh, digital banking and how affinity and all your colleagues and teams members are doing so much wonderful work for the underserved and the unbanked. Thank you for Thank speaking you to much. me and good luck. Thank you very much. Thank you for listening to the brand called You Videocast and Podcast, a platform that brings you knowledge, experience, and wisdom of hundreds of successful individuals from around the world. Do visit our website, www.tbcy.in, to watch and listen to the stories of many more individuals. You can also follow us on YouTube, Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter. Just search for the brand called You.